0: Today on the show we will be reviewing Matt Dillahunty's debate with Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy. My name is Hayden Clark and this is Help Me Believe. Before we get started, I want to shout out to Modern Day Debate, an excellent uh, YouTube channel that puts together good debates. This was an excellent debate uh, of which the proceeds went to a good cause, and so shout out to Modern Day Debate. There's a link in the description below to their channel so that you can get updates and watch all the latest debates in Christian apologetics and atheism and things like that. Last thing before diving into this uh, debate review, I want to say thank you to our patron supporters. Because of your support, I get to produce free material like this and put it out there on the internet to spread and defend the truth of Christianity. So if that is a mission that you want to get behind, you can follow the Patreon link in the description below and become a supporter. Now let's dive into the debate review, but first, is Michael drinking whiskey? ...statement, so I'm resetting the clock for 15 minutes, Right on, kids, don't try this at home. There's nothing like drinking whiskey, sipping whiskey, while debating atheists. Good job, Michael. Listeners of the podcast may recognize Michael from Inspiring Philosophy. He came on the show not too long ago to discuss the subject of hell, and we had an excellent dialogue. I really uh, enjoy Inspiring Philosophy's YouTube channel and all that he's doing over there. He's trying to put together a library of Christian apologetics videos, a video library, and he um, he does a lot of responses and uh, things like that. You should <clears throat> definitely follow the link in the description below to his channel and become a subscriber. Now, I'm not going to review uh, Michael's arguments in this debate for the sake of time. Um, it's kind of a complex argument. However, uh, Michael has form- formulated a rather unique argument for the existence of God called the digital physics argument, as well as a couple of others that are pretty unique to himself. Um, they're based on a-, a certain interpretation of quantum mechanics or quantum physics, and, um Basically, what he's trying to say is that the best understanding of quantum uh, physics is that space-time is an emergent property, and what that emerges from is an underlying um, information, and so there's the digital physics part of it. And then, secondly, he tries to argue that um, the the mind is best understood in similar terms, and so what he's basically arguing is that space-time, or our universe, is an emergent property from a supreme mind, if you will, and I'm just summarizing, I don't know, all the ins and outs that Michael does uh, about quantum physics, so you'd have to actually listen to the argument to hear the whole thing in detail, but basically that's the gist of the argument as I understand it. And so basically what he's saying is that this, uh, this supreme mind, or however you want to refer to that, from which space-time emerges from is God and um, of course this is how God is classically conceived as an unembodied mind as uh, Dr. William Lane Craig often refers to it And so he's arguing for theism from a certain
1: interpretation of quantum physics. I'll be arguing for basic theism and I'll present three arguments first by God I simply mean a necessary and immaterial mind that created the universe And so there's no need to argue for anything beyond that at this point.
0: But let's start with what I don't really uh, necessarily like about Michael's argumentation here. I don't like that it is based on a highly debated interpretation of a highly complex field. So quantum physics is something that is generally not understood. And likewise, specific interpretations of quantum physics are even less understood Um, And and there's really no consensus in the field as far as I can tell. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Now, that doesn't mean that Michael's wrong. I have no idea if he's right or wrong uh, because I don't have the necessary knowledge in quantum physics to even begin to critique him at that level. Um, I'm just uh, critiquing pragmatically here. And so speaking for myself, this argument would not convince me that God exists because I don't have the uh, requisite knowledge to even know if he's telling the truth or not. I just have no idea. I would have to be completely agnostic about it. I would have to go do a lot of further study before I could even tell if this argument succeeds or not. And secondly, the door is left wide open to reasonable objections. There's many qualified scientists, I assume, who disagree with this understanding of quantum physics. As I don't believe there's any consensus on the matter. Uh, and again, now this doesn't mean that Michael's wrong. I have no idea if he's, he's right or wrong. And I've yet to see an atheist, uh, at least in his debates, uh, adequately ob- object to his argument. So for all I know, it is true, or it could be false. Um, but I can hardly blame them for, for not objecting. I... I I don't know why they enter into the debate in the first place. I I just wouldn't do it, because he obviously has a lot more knowledge about quantum physics than any of his interlocutors thus far have, certainly more than I do. And um, I I don't understand what Michael is saying, basically, is what it comes down to. completely ignorant, and I assume most people are, too. Uh, One would either have to be a quantum physicist or a highly informed layperson like Michael to even grasp the argument in the first place. So for these reasons, I'm just saying it's not something that I would adopt, and I don't perceive that many apologists will either. Um, There's a reason that so many apologists have included, say, the um, Kalam cosmological argument in their arsenal because it's so easily adoptable. Um, It's incredibly simple, it's easy to follow, anyone can follow along with the logic. And it's composed of two premises and a conclusion that are logically airtight. That's a that's a stark contrast with Michael's argument. And again, none of this means that Michael's wrong. I'm just saying I have no idea. And from a pragmatic standpoint, I probably would not adopt this argument, even if I did understand it. However, Michael's argument is not without its strengths. One strength is that it is largely a scientific argument. I say largely because no argument can be solely scientific. Uh, the sheer fact that it's an argument means that it must have... Uh, premises which logically follow to a conclusion, and that and that involves uh, philosophical reasoning. However, Michael is forming the bulk of his argument based on quantum physics, which is basically God to atheists, as we've seen throughout all these debates. Uh, science, and specifically physics, is always brought up by the atheist uh, community to try to, you know, uh, make a scientific critique. Um, atheists often say there's there's no evidence for God, and by by which they mean there's no scientific or empirical evidence, which is something that I would generally agree with. Uh, I would say that if God, which is by definition an immaterial being, exists, we would not even in principle be able to show that he exists through the scientific or empirical uh, endeavor. Science studies purely physical phenomena, and God by definition is not a physical phenomena. So, uh, of course, uh, science wouldn't be able to reveal God. However, science is not the only tool we have. Uh, philosophy is a valid way of knowing truth. And to deny that would be absurd and actually self-defeating. But Michael is saying that science, specifically quantum physics in this case, is revealing God with a little philosophical reasoning thrown in there, obviously. Um, he's entering into the atheist sandbox, so to speak. And for that, uh, he, you know he's, like, he's meeting them where they're at. Okay, you want science? Here's quantum physics. Um, he's basically saying, you got it. You know, you want scientific evidence? You got it. In fact, he even quotes a famous atheist, uh, Sean Carroll.
1: So to sum up the implications, I'll quote Sean Carroll. Space is obviously not fundamental. Space is something when you go from classical mechanics to quantum mechanics, space more or less disappears. So for this reason, I think the argument does have some strength to it. Though for me,
0: at the end of the day, the um, the negatives from a pragmatic standpoint, again, outweigh the positives. Uh, I would much rather use a philosophical argument for God's existence, like the Kalam, the Aristotelian, the Thomistic, or the contingency argument, something like that. I just think that they're much easier to follow along with, and it doesn't require such a specific knowledge base to make the argument. Now, I don't have much else to say about Michael's argument, because the debate never really returns to it after Michael gives it. Uh, Matt doesn't respond to it once. In fact, in his opening statement, he tries uh, this out for size.
2: I don't have to have an explanation for something in order to be able to say that, hey, you presented something, but it's not quite there yet, as if.
0: In other words, he has no idea how to respond to uh, Michael's argument, and understandably so. And now he's going to argue that he, in fact, does not have to respond to Michael's argument. That's what—that's the case he's trying to make. He's trying to make an epistemological point that I don't actually have to respond to your argument. Well, here's the thing. That's not how debate works. If you're not going to respond to your interlocutor's argument, why are you even here? No one is saying that Matt has to present a better argument for the non-existence of God in order to defeat Michael's argument. But if you literally don't respond to any of the argument's premises, then the argument still stands. I mean, this just isn't that hard to understand. Then Matt goes on to uh, say something that becomes a bit of a theme for him throughout this debate.
2: The thing is, at different times, you can have good reasons to reach a conclusion, and that's independent of whether or not the conclusion you've reached is actually correct.
0: Basically what Matt is saying is that for all we know, we may be presented with new evidence in the future that will explain away Michael's interpretation of quantum mechanics. So we should not be committed to any particular view. However, Michael's not saying, nor has he ever said, that he is closed-mindedly committing himself uh, to this interpretation. What he's saying, and he has said over and over, is that right now, until he's presented with better evidence, this is the best understanding of quantum mechanics, and based on his argumentation, this is the best conclusion right now. Of course, he could be disproved in the future, where we might find new evidence or or something else. But what he's arguing for is a best explanation, which is the way science has always progressed. To use Matt's own analogy, we used to believe that the sun rotated around the Earth, and and that was a perfectly reasonable conclusion. However, we discovered new evidence and observation and corrected our understanding. So uh, Matt is assuming that that this is going to happen uh, here with Michael's interpretation of quantum mechanics. And therefore, he's withholding cons- uh, consent to an argument to the best explanation for right now. But if we did this, we would never affirm any scientific theory, and science would never progress. Imagine if we did this with evolution. Okay, so we have um, a few data points and an argumentation that uh, seem to lead to the conclusion that uh, we all have a common ancestor or, or whatever. But if we, we take Matt's epistemology here, there, there may be in the future some evidence that will disprove this. So we shouldn't accept evolution. We should withhold consent. We should be agnostic about it. Is that really how science is ever going to progress? I think not. Of course, his uh, Michael's interpretation here may eventually be debunked. We hold all of our beliefs tentatively. I've said this about my belief in God and Jesus' resurrection. New evidence or better argumentation may convince me otherwise in the future. But until then, I'm going to hold to this belief because it seems like the uh, most reasonable belief. So Michael's arguing that for right now, this is the best explanation of the argument. And if you want to present a case that it is not the best explanation, then you have to respond to the argument, which Matt is obviously not going to do. Now, as far as I can tell, Matt concedes the entire debate in this next clip.
2: And so if we're gonna talk about whether or not there are good reasons to believe something, the first thing we have to do is figure out what do we mean by good reasons? If we look at something and we, we make observations and we do our best to remove as much of our individual bias as we can, and we come up with uh, a, a collection of data and we can put, put together a model that currently explains the data, then that would certainly be considered the current best explanation for that data.
0: So according to Matt, a good, for a good reason to be good, we have to, one, remove bias, uh, which of course you couldn't objectively tell if someone's removing their own bias or not. It's something that happens subjectively. Two, find a collection of data, and three, create a model that explains that data. This would provide the best current, emphasis on current, explanation. That's all Michael's saying. That's all he's ever said. They are in complete agreement here. Michael has taken a collection of data on quantum physics and created a model that he believes best explains this data at this time. Emphasis on at this time. In order to show that this is in fact not the best explanation, Matt must respond to the arguments, which again, he's clearly not going to do. So he follows this concession up with uh, what I conceive to be an absurd qualification.
2: Whether or not you have a good reason to believe a particular explanation is also dependent on whether or not the thing that you're explaining is – or the the explanation you're coming up with is something that you can investigate and explore. Because if you try to solve a mystery by appealing to a bigger mystery, you haven't done anything. And if you try to solve a mystery by just labeling it something, I don't know that you've actually bothered to explain anything.
0: This is nothing more than Richard Dawkins' response to arguments from design in his book, The God Delusion. So he says, in in order to explain something, we have to be able to explain the explanation. He later goes on to contradict, by the way. In order to explain something, we have to be able to explain the explanation. First of all, This creates a vicious regress, uh, the result of which is this. Nothing ever gets explained, because we first have to explain the explanation. But before we can explain that explanation, we have to explain the explanation of that explanation, and so on and so on and so on, and so you never really explain anything. Secondly, to use a common analogy, imagine if archaeologists came across a collection of artifacts uh, that resemble tools and pottery. One, one, One of the archaeologists says, clearly this is the work of human beings. The other says, "Well, let's not jump to conclusions. After all, we don't know anything about the human beings that you are postulating. Before we can say that we have, before we can say that we have to be able to explain who these humans are and such forth, that would be an obviously stupid response." So Matt then tries to make Michael's argument out to be an argument from ignorance.
2: If you just start at the at the in, at the initial observation, and say, "How best can we explain this?" Of course, you're going to get to the notion that, you know, uh, consciousness must come from a mind or uh, anything along those lines, because you don't yet have enough information.
0: But did Michael make his argument by beginning with this initial observation? Did he simply postulate, how best can we explain this? Well, God, watch it for yourself. Of course he didn't. He took all the data, like Matt said he needed to, and put it together in an argument and reached what he sees to be the best explanation. And, and Matt ends this clip by saying, you don't yet have enough information. How does he know that? Can he see the future? Okay, Maybe he's not just a magician, but actually a sorcerer or something like that. So he's yet to show that there is information that Michael is not taking into consideration. If that were the case, that would be a good uh, rebuttal, a good counter-argument. But I repeat, he hasn't responded to the argument at all, and he's clearly not going to. So in order to show that Michael's making an argument from ignorance, Matt has to show what michael's ignorant of obviously again he's not going to do so and then matt goes on to say this and i could make it up if i wanted to it's just perfect i could inject it into my veins
2: and so we can i don't i don't know why we would you know go to a bunch of physicists to have them start doing philosophy for us i mean that that seems a bit strange here's a bunch of physicists who say that philosophically speaking it should be this um i'd rather I don't know. I would say I'd rather go to the philosophers. However, uh, that's potentially just as much of a mess as anything.
0: Don't go to the philosophers and don't go to the scientists. Who in the world should we go to, Matt? I guess we should go to him. So from now on, quote, no scientists, quote, no philosophers, no experts in any specific fields. From now on, all we can quote are Internet atheists like Matt historically atheists like Matt have hounded a Christian apologists for doing philosophy like it's a dirty word Uh, they boast about the fact that the scientists are on their side but now we aren't even allowed to quote the scientists this is just perfect this is I couldn't even make it up
2: no offense here but when you argue for the classical God as opposed to a specific God I really don't think that it gets us anywhere because At at most, even if I conceded everything and said that, oh, if you're just going to define God as that which serves as a foundation for the universe.
1: Fact check, is that what Michael said? I'll be arguing for basic theism and I'll present three arguments. First, by God, I simply mean a necessary and immaterial mind that created the universe. And so there's no need to argue for anything beyond that at this point.
0: Nope. Necessary, immaterial mind is how all theists have ever conceived of God, whether or not they're Christians, Muslims, or Jews. These qualities are specifically theistic and apply nowhere else, so that if Michael's argument really does show that there's a necessary immaterial mind behind the universe, uh, he's demonstrated that theism is more plausibly true than any other worldview, especially atheism. So if Matt really wants to see this, uh, then he has ceded the entire debate, which was already obvious. Uh, Then Matt lays out his own epistemological standard for having good reason.
2: If we're going to talk about whether or not we have good reasons to think that our answer is likely, not that it is the best of the potential candidate explanations right now, but that it is actually likely true, that is a different bar. And that that is the bar that I'm kind of holding to, which is if we have no explanation, any explanation anybody offers that isn't falsifiable would seem like a better explanation, but does it rise to the level of being an actual good explanation? Is it sufficient to explain this? And do we have good reason to think that it is likely or probable?
0: So Matt's standard is this, a good explanation is one that is not just better than other candidates, but is independently more likely true than false. So question, what has Michael argued here? He has argued that the scientific evidence indicates that the most likely explanation is that the universe is emergent from a mind. He hasn't said, well, my explanation's better than these alternative explanations, therefore it must be true. He's never said that. It's a complete straw man. And this, it's an obvious caricature. Uh, Matt also throws in, any explanation that isn't falsifiable will seem like a better explanation. And of course, Michael's argument is falsifiable. So we have another car- caricature. It could be falsified. Matt just obviously can't do it. Um, he doesn't have the requisite knowledge, like like myself also, to critique an argument from quantum physics. But that's not Michael's fault, that's Matt's, and mine, if, Like if, if I were in Matt's position. That's not Michael's fault, that doesn't mean he's arguing from ignorance, it means Matt and I are ignorant of it. But that's not Michael's ignorance. So, unsurprisingly, Matt's whole argument is that Michael could possibly be wrong, therefore we shouldn't consent to his view. Uh, he hasn't given any reason as to why he's wrong, he's just postulated that. So... Here, here's Michael's perfect response to this.
1: I'm not really sure what else to go on because again, I said I, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I agree we could possibly be wrong. I'm in it there are three positions that are taken in debate. the affirmative, the negative, and a neutral. If you're just taking a neutral, all right, I, I don't know what else to do here at this point other than just keep presenting more data to support my my positions. So. Yes, just just sit back
0: and keep sipping that whiskey, brother. Uh, how do you respond to someone who says, I'm not convinced, therefore you shouldn't be either. You don't respond, that's how. You don't respond because there's nothing to respond to. Matt has provided nothing to respond to throughout this entire debate. Then Matt actually corrects Michael and says that he's not neutral on the subject, and uh, then, he, then he makes this self-defeating statement.
2: Um, but when I when I talk about appealing to a bigger mystery, it's not just, oh, we don't know the explanation for X. I'm not saying you have to explain God. I'm saying you don't get to use God as an explanation until this time as you can demonstrate that there is such a thing as a God.
0: You cannot use God as an explanation until you demonstrate that there is such a thing as God. Michael's whole argument was a demonstration that a necessary immaterial mind created the universe, or the universe is emergent from this mind. If Matt doesn't like the word God, then use Flying Spaghetti Monster for all we care. It doesn't matter. He's literally quibbling over semantics. He doesn't like the word God, and that's literally what he's saying. Not to mention, think about the implication of what he said. You cannot use God as an explanation until you demonstrate that there is such a thing as God. But if but if you were to demonstrate that there is such a thing as God, aren't you also using God as an explanation? Aren't those two things kind of synonymous? Don't they go hand in hand? So you can never actually demonstrate God's existence, which is clearly how Matt is trying to frame this thing. He's trying to mark off the boundaries as it's just impossible to reach the conclusion that God exists, which is oddly convenient. You can't have an explanation that ends with God, and oh yeah, use any other word than God, because I don't like it. Watch the rest of the debate for yourself. Uh, Matt trots out the same tiresome responses that he already has, and Michael mostly says that he doesn't care over and over. That's basically how the debate goes. Uh, The conversation never returns to the actual argument, which is a perfect display of what we like to call the Dillahunty Dodge. Why deal with the argument when you can just make up an excuse as to why you don't have to respond to the argument, at all, the debate did end on a positive note. However, not just wait—is that, is that second one started. mine? Did, did you, you? said we do a shot. Yeah, so I'm
1: waiting to do a shot with you because so. well, this
2: the hard thinking part's over. So yeah, well, I say that I'm not trying to diss anybody who had a question, but I'm not going to get drunk by the time the last question comes in.
0: I think that. So I think Matt. Knew. My name is Hayden Clark, and this is Help Me Believe.